chapter six of bert wilson at the wheel this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by kathleen bert wilson at the wheel by j w duffield chapter six shorty goes to the ant the next morning when the boys drew aside the flaps of their tents the sky was dark and lowering a good many anxious glances were thrown at the clouds and open disapproval of the outlook was not slow in breaking out gee what a fearful day said jim you bet it is chimed in shorty that's our luck wailed dave just when i wanted to go to town to get a new blade for the jackknife i broke yesterday oh come off it you pessimists sang out bert who had just plunged his head in a bucket of cold water and now was rubbing his face until it shone somewhere the sun is shining heap of good that does us grumbled shorty but say as he turned to bert suspiciously what sort of thing was that you called us i said you were pessimists well what does that jawbreaker mean why said bert who could not resist his propensity to tease that means that you are not optimists worse and worse and more of it complained shorty that's just as clear as mud echoed jim well said bert tantalizingly listen my children listen my children and you shall hear of the midnight ride of paul revere chanted frank who had recited that identical poem in his elocution class at the last term of school a well-aimed pillow made him duck and bert resumed you see shorty it's just like this the optimist is the fellow that sees the doughnut the pessimist sees only the hole in the doughnut now for my part there is no nourishment in the hole but there is lots of it in the doughnut ah say don't make a fellow's mouth water said shorty before whose practical vision rose up his mother's kitchen fragrant with the smell of the crisp brown sizzling beauties as they were lifted from the pan and me so far from home if there were no doughnuts at the breakfast to which all hands came running their place was more than taken by the golden cornbread and the savoury bacon that formed the meal to which they sat down with all the enthusiasm of hungry boys the food disappeared as if by magic and the table had been replenished more than once before the boys cried enough many a sated millionaire would have willingly exchanged a substantial part of his hoarded wealth for one of those unjaded appetites but in pure undiluted satisfaction the boys would have been the losers by the exchange that very thought struck mr hollis as he watched the havoc made at table by these valiant young trenchermen and turning to dick who sat at his right he spoke of the starving king midas jim who overheard the name which as he said was a new one on him wanted to know who midas was and how if he were a king he couldn't get grub enough to keep him from starving the boys who had by this time taken the first keen edge off their appetite were equally eager to hear the story and mr hollis went on to tell about the avaricious king of the olden time who could never get enough but was always asking the gods for more 
after a while they became wearied and disgusted and granted his request that everything he touched should turn to gold the king was delighted at this beyond all measure now at last he was to have his heart's desire he put the gift to the test at once he touched his sword and it changed to gold that was fine he stroked his beard and every hair became a glistening yellow spike that wasn't so fine he began to get a little worried wasn't this too much of a good thing well anyway there was no use in fretting he would go to dinner and get his mind off but when he touched the food it too became gold he lifted a goblet of wine only to find that he held molten metal in the midst of plenty he was starving upon his knees he begged the gods to take back their fatal gift and thinking he had learned his lesson well they did so his gold vanished but oh how delicious was the first taste of food and to-day concluded mr hollis there is many a millionaire whose gold doesn't give him the pleasure that a square meal gives the ravenous appetite of a healthy boy well said tom expressing the general sentiment i'd sure like the money but oh you cornbread after breakfast the boys broke up into separate groups one went off under the guidance of mr hollis to gather some fossils that were to be found in great abundance in the limestone that jutted out from a quarry at a little distance from the camp another group of the fellows with dick in charge who were especially interested in bird and insect life the bug squad as they were commonly and irreverently referred to in camp went to a little clearing about half a mile away that was especially rich in specimens the day before tom had secured an uncommonly beautiful species of butterfly that topped anything in his experience so far and the other boys wanted to add one to their rapidly growing collection whether the lowering day had anything to do or not with the absence of these fluttering beauties who loved the sunshine their search was without result and after two hours spent in this way they threw aside their butterfly nets and sat down in the shade of a spreading beach to rest and as shorty called it to have a gab fest almost directly beneath the eastern branches was a large mound nearly three feet above the surrounding level and perhaps twenty feet in circumference as shorty flung himself down on the centre of the mound a curious expression came into the eyes of dick he glanced quickly at frank who returned his look and added a wink that might have aroused suspicion in shorty's mind had not that guileless youth been lying stretched out at full length with his hat over his eyes the warmth and general mugginess of the air saturated almost to the reigning point together with the constant activity of the last two hours had tired him out and after a little badinage growing less and less spirited he began to doze the other boys who had been given the tip by frank and dick let the conversation drag on purpose and with a wicked glint of mischief in their eyes watched the unsuspecting shorty slip away into the land of sleep soon his arms relaxed his chest rose and fell with his regular breathing and horrors an undeniable snore told that shorty was not faking but was off for good from being a spot of perfect peace and quiet the mound suddenly burst into life from numberless gates a swarm of ants issued forth and rushed about here and there to find out the cause of this invasion the weight of shorty's body and his movements as he composed himself for sleep had aroused them to a sense of danger and they poured out in thousands 
soon the ground was covered with little patches of black and red ants and as though by common consent they began to surround the unconscious shorty some crept up his legs others his arms while others climbed over his collar and slipped inside first an arm twitched violently then a sleepy hand stole down and scratched his leg the boys were bursting with laughter and tim grew black in the face as he crowded his handkerchief into his mouth shorty shook his head as a horse does when a fly lights on it again he twitched and this time seemed to realize that there was something wrong still half asleep he snapped ah why don't you fellows quit your kidding stop tickling me with that a yell ended the sentence as a nip more vicious than usual brought shorty to his feet this time wide awake beyond all question he cast one glance at the boys who now made no pretense of restraint but roared with laughter then he saw the swarm of ants surrounding him and took in the situation he tore his hat from his head his coat from his shoulders shook off his tormentors and spinning around like a dancing dervish dashed off toward the brook a moment later there was a splash and they heard shorty blowing sputtering diving rubbing until finally he had rid himself of the swarms that clung closer to him than a brother at last he succeeded and came up the bank before resuming his clothes he had to take each garment separately and search every seam and crease to make sure that not a single ant remained then he came back into the group like a raging lion his temper never was any of the best and the sudden awakening from sleep the stings and ticklings of the invaders and perhaps most of all the unrestrained laughter of the boys had filled his cup to the brim he saw red as the saying is and regardless of age and size was rushing toward the rest with doubled-up fists and rage in his heart when dick caught him by the wrists and held him in his strong grasp until his fury had spent itself somewhat and he began to get control of himself phil said dick he never called him shorty and at this moment that recollection helped to sober the struggling boy remember that the first duty of boy or man is to control his temper the boys didn't mean any harm it looked to them like a splendid joke and perhaps we let it go a little too far i am really to blame more than any one else because i am older and in charge of the squad i am awfully sorry phil and i beg your pardon the kindly tone and sincere apology were not lost on phil who was not without a sense of humour which through all his anger began to struggle to the surface the other boys too thoughtless and impulsive though they may be were sound and kind of heart and following dick's example crowded about phil and joined in the apology the most flaming anger must melt before such expressions of regard and goodwill and phil was at last compelled to smile sheepishly and say that it was all right you're a sport phil all right called out frank and at this highest of commendations from a boy's point of view the last vestige of phil's resentment faded away well anyway fellows he said i don't bear any grudge against you but i am sure going to get even with those pesky ants i never did care much for ants anyway i've been told so often to go to the ant thou sluggard that now i'm going to them for fair and what i do to them will be a plenty as he said this he turned toward the ant hill as though to demolish it but dick put up a friendly hand no phil said he 
you wouldn't destroy a wonderful and beautiful palace would you palace said phil in amazement thinking for a moment that dick was stringing him what do you mean by that just what i say returned dick a wonderful and beautiful palace there is a queen there and she walks about every day in state surrounded by a throng of courtiers there are princesses there that are taken out daily to get the air accompanied by a governess exactly as you have seen a group of boarding-school girls walking out with their teachers surrounding the palace is a city where there are hundreds of carpenters and farmers and sentinels and soldiers if you waited round a while you would see the farmers going out to milk their cows at that point dick was interrupted by a roar of laughter that burst from every boy at once they had listened in growing amazement that had rapidly become stupefaction but this was really too much what was the matter with dick was it a joke a parable a fairy story they might be kids all right but there was a limit to everything and when dick talked of ants going out to milk the cows well it was up to him to explain himself or prove his statement and that they felt sure he could never do dick waited good-naturedly while they pelted him with objections and plied him with questions then he took from his kit a strong magnifying glass and told them that he was going to prove to them all what he had said he laughs best who laughs last he said and i am going to show you that all i said is true that is he modified i cannot prove everything just now as i would have to destroy this wonderful palace if i were to try to show you how marvellous it is and how perfect in all its appointments but what we don't see ourselves has been seen time and time again by hundreds of wise and truthful men and their testimony is as strong as though it were given under oath in a court of law well said frank i'm willing to take everything else on faith but i'm afraid i'd have to see the milking done myself in order to believe it all right said dick as it happens that is just the thing i can show you more easily than anything else the boys crowded eagerly around him End of chapter six